Hello, Penguins fans. Happy Friday, November 18th, an off day for your hockey team, but it's about to get even it's it's about to get pretty busy for this team. A big game on Saturday night in Winnipeg, Manitoba against the against the Jets. Then they'll fly to Chicago to take on the Blackhawks at the United Center before they will come home and play a couple of games at PPG Paints Arena next week. For today's episode, we're going to preview both games this weekend. The first segment will go into the game against Winnipeg, why they've been good this year, why I'm still kind of hesitant to say that they're a contender, even though they've had a good start. We'll then go into Chicago and why they're just absolutely horrible this season. And then we'll finish off the show talking about the power play and how even though it did look good on Thursday night and went two for five, there's still a lot of areas that I think need to be cleaned up with it. So look for all that coming up right after this. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at LORS Penguins. Yes, Thawne, you can say hi. Yep. I can pick you up here. Say hi to the camera. Yep. Wave your paw. Okay. You can go back down now, buddy. Um, again, plug the socials for you all. Thrawn has just decided to be a total nut. Uh, today. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That is Bet Online where the game starts. Again, you can follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LRS for Penguins. And for another time, thank you so much for making this your first listen of the day. So let's get into today's show. The Penguins will face off um, the first of two meetings against the Winnipeg Jets and the Jets. So far this year, They've won eight of their last 10 games. They're 10 and four and one. They're one point out of first place in the central division right now. Um, that's, I think, kind of due to the avalanche being off to a little bit of a slow start. They're nine and five and one. So they're at about 19 points. Um, but the Jets have been playing some good hockey this year. And, you know, it looks like Rick Bonus, obviously a good defensive coach. I kind of dumped on that higher when it was made. But, you know, he has the Jets playing some pretty good hockey right now. And, you know, you, you look at who's leading the way. It's Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley. You know, Connor has 15 points in 15 games. Five of them are goals. Shifley actually leads the team in goals. 10 of them, 14 points in 15 games. Josh Morrissey has 16 points in 15 games. Pierre-Luc Dubois has been awesome. Neil Pionk, Blake Wheeler, Adam Lowry. The usual suspects for the Winnipeg Jets. And, of course, Connor Hellebuck, who, in my opinion, is one of the three best goaltenders in hockey. You look at their lines right now. If you go to daily faceoff, Connor does play with Shifley and Sam Gagne um, on the top line. So anytime you can put Kyle, Connor and Shifley together, you know, good things are going to happen. And, and they both have been awesome this season. Kyle Connor is actually just coming off a hat trick against the Anaheim Ducks on Thursday night. Um, that was a three to two overtime win for the Jets to get to ten and four and one on their second line. Cole Perfetti with Pierre Luc Dubois and Blake Wheeler. Wheeler not what he used to be for sure. But he still has four goals, 10 points in 15 games this season. Dubois is almost at a point-per-game pace. He's someone to, I think, keep an eye on these next couple of years. I'm not really sure if he's going to be re-signing in Winnipeg. I've listened to 32 Thoughts a couple of times um, over the years where they've talked about Dubois. And, you know, he seems intent on testing free agency. I don't know if he wants to sign back there. But, you know, as long as he keeps playing at this pace, you know, he's going to get a lot of money uh, for whoever signs him, um, you know, 
after this season or, or you know, and then it's in the season after that. Um, Adam Lowry is on the third line. Um, you know, David Gustafson's on their fourth line. And some of the, some of their bottom six just kind of has a bunch of players who, you know, I, I guess they're kind of eh, uh, to say the least, you know, two of their players down there for combined points. Um, Axel Janssen, um, Fialba, I think he was a former member of the Capitals. Um, he only has one goal in 13 games this season. Um, Dominic uh, Toninato, no points this season. Um, a lot of their players down in the bottom six have really just not done anything. It's it's mainly been their top six that's carried them this season. And Oh, gee, what do you know? That's basically what's happened with the Penguins so far, even though they're a little further behind the standings. You know, the situations are kind of similar. The Jets literally get no offense from their bottom six outside of Adam Lowry, who has three goals and eight points so far this season. Everyone else either has one or basically no goals. All, all of their offense forward-wise has come from Dubois, Shifley, and Connor. Um, one of their big inj- one of their big injuries right now, uh, Nikolai Ehlers, he is still on IR. They're also without Dylan DeMello, Mason Appleton, Morgan Barron, Logan Stanley. Um, defensively, it's not the best group, but it get the, they get the job done. Morrissey, he has been electric for the Jets this season, leads the team in points. You know, he's someone who you don't usually would think is a number one defenseman, but he is still a good player. Neil Pionk had a really good year a couple of years ago, kind of went in the opposite direction last year. This year, though, off to a good start, looking like the Neil Pionk that we saw from a couple of years ago. Brendan Dillon, former Washington Capitol, and Nate Schmidt, former Washington Capitol, they are both on the same pairing together. And then Dylan Sandberg and um, Kyle Capobianco are that that it makes up the third pairing. So they're not deep on defense, but they do have some good players down there who can push the puck, play well in their own zone. And you know when you play a style that you know Rick Bonus, you know that kind of coaching where it's very defensive. They're not high scoring games, at least. You know, Rick Bonus, if he could win every game one nothing or two to one, he would. Heck, even maybe three to two sometimes is a little too much for him. But, you know, you know what you're going to get. And I think the Penguins, they're going to have to, you know, they're not going to get a ton of good chances on Saturday. But the ones that they do get, they're going to have to try to make them count because in net is the greatest equalizer. And that is Connor Hellebuck, who again, He's at least the third best goaltender in hockey. You can even you can even make an argument that he is better than Vasilevsky or Shosturkin. I personally think they are just a little step above Hellebuck, but you know Hellebuck is off to another great start. He's honestly been carrying you know that team for the last several years. The Jets are a team to me could they make the playoffs? Sure, they're off to a good start right now. They're one point out of the Central Division, but you know I just don't see them as a team that it would really go anywhere once they get in. I mean, sure. Hellebuck gives them a chance a- in any game, but even with Ehlers back, I just don't think they have the offensive firepower to compete with a team like Colorado in a seven game series to compete with a team, to maybe even like, I don't know, Dallas in a seven game series. I think Minnesota and St. Louis are going to start waking up here at some point. You know, they, they mainly just rely on a few players to score their goals and everyone else just goes out and plays defensive minded hockey. So, as long as the Penguins, they're able to contain Connor, Shifley, Wheeler, you know, and, and Dubois and all those guys, you know, they, they should be fine uh, to win this game unless, you know, Connor Hellebuck just comes out and has a 50 safe shutout or something like that. Um, special teams-wise, Winnipeg, kind of an okay power play, but penalty kill-wise, they rank third in the league in PK percentage. So that's going to be a big test for the Penguins unit with that. They're going to have to, you know, <clears throat> make sure their zone entries are on point. 
make sure they're not overpassing, getting the puck to the net like they were a couple of times on power plays uh, late in the game against Minnesota. You know, the two power play goals that they scored, the zone entries were solid. They didn't overpass. And again, you know, you saw Latang getting more aggressive at the point, right? And he fired that slap shot um, to the left side of the net past Philip Gustafson. I want to see more of that from him. I thought Latang played the best game of his se- uh, one of the best games of his season last night. And then the second power play goal from uh, which came from Gensel to Crosby, you know, that beautiful pass right through the blue paint. Sid is able to just, you know, somehow score that, even though I, I don't even know how that pass went through. I don't know if you're going to get that kind of chance against a Rick bonus level squad, but you know, it's, it's still, it's plays like that, that you want to try to get the puck to the net and ha- have good things happen. So no, I think that's going to be a big key for me in this one is is for the Penguins to find a way to break through that really stingy Winnipeg penalty killing unit. Again, if they just kind of make it a wash with the top six, I, I think the Penguins' bottom six is better than Winnipeg's, and that says a lot because I don't really think the Penguins' bottom six is that good either. But so this is this should be a really good game. I think this is a good test right now, just because the the Jets are one of the hottest teams in the league. They've won eight out of ten. They're one point out of second in the one point out of first in the Central Division. They have one of the best goaltenders in hockey, who I believe right now is top five to ten in goals saved above expected. He's going to be a candidate for the Vesna again. You know they that team felt like they needed a big change in the coaching leadership coming into the season, and so far, bonus after he quote unquote retired. Um, he's been doing a great job with them, and I'll be curious to see if that continues. So big game on tap for this one. Those are my main keys for the Penguins, I think, to win that game. Obviously, you want to have a good start. Winnipeg's arena, it's usually a tough place to play, and it's one of the loudest um, arenas in the NHL. You know Jets fans are always going to bring it. It's not a whiteout in the playoffs. That's when it gets ridiculously loud. But still, you know, Jets fans, they're very loyal. And, you know, especially with how great of a great of a start they're off to, um, they're going to pack that building and make it very difficult for the Penguins to win. As for who starts, it's kind of a toss-up. Would not be surprised if they do go back to Tristan to try to say, hey, you know, go out and prove that, you know, that last start was not you, you and that the last several other starts before that were not you. Um, you know, we'll have to see, but I also would not be surprised if it is Casey DeSmith. If it were me, I'd probably go Jari for this one and then DeSmith for the one in Chicago. You could do either one just because the Blackhawks are not that good, and I'm going to touch on them a little later on in this episode. But, you know, all that matters is that this team gets better goaltending down the stretch. None of their improved play, 5v5, penalty kill, you know, defensively with taking care of the puck, none of that is going to matter if this team cannot get saves on a consistent basis. It doesn't matter who is in the net. Tristan Jari, for example, had 919 save percentage last year, about 58 appearances this year, well below 900, bottom five to bottom 10, and, you know, goal state above expected. You know, for someone that wants to get paid, you know, he's not showing the management regime that he deserves that right now. And if he doesn't turn around, I think that, I don't think the Penguins will hesitate to look somewhere else for their number one goaltender after the season. So again, none of their none of this recent play will matter unless the team doesn't start getting saves from either goaltender. They've won three out of five. It's good. They've climbed back up into close to the playoff position. They're three points out right now. If my math is correct, they're about ninth, tenth place in the East. They're not in fourteenth or fifteenth anymore. It's they're kind of just in a jumbled mess of teams right now. But still, 
know, they got to get saves on a consistent basis. Tristan had a few goals in last night that he usually doesn't. That game probably should have been six to two, six to one or something like that. So we'll have to see what happens with the goalies. And I'll say the same for DeSmith. He needs to be a bit better as well. So that wraps up this preview for the game against the Jets. Um, it's always fun watching them play. Uh, Winnipeg, I, I love watching Kyle Connor and Shifley has been underrated for uh, numerous years at this point. And I know Wheeler used to be awesome and he's kind of, I wouldn't say he's fully washed, though he's getting there at this point. You know, he's still always been um, a good player. And of course, I, I'll, I always will love watching Connor Hellebuck. He's incredible. So that wraps up this segment. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to preview the game against the Chicago Blackhawks on Sunday and just look into um, how brutal they um, have been this year. But before I get to that, um, let's get into Bet Online. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, and news and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer. The World Cup is coming up in just a few days for my soccer fans to listen to the show. There's also esports for those that like you know, Fortnite, Warzone, you know, Overwatch, any other game, Apex Legends. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, I'm back in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Swift Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So <clears throat> let's get into the Chicago Blackhawks this season. This is the Hawks team that um, they were set up to tank this season. You, you, you know, they, they, they their management regime came out and said, yeah, we're going to stink. That's the direction we're going in, rebuilding. Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane obviously are not happy about it. I have to think they're going to get traded before the trade deadline. I think they're going to have suitors. Kane especially, he's still a world-class talent. Taves is still a good player, not nearly what he used to be. I still remember when people used to say that he was better than Sidney Crosby. Hint, he was never better than Sidney Crosby. I don't know why that trend even started to begin with. I guess people just hated Sid that much, but... Still, good player, can be serviceable on a cup contender, um, and I think both of them will be gone by the time the trade deadline rolls around. Um, right now, the Hawks, they've lost 8 out of 10. They're 6-7-3 and seven and three to start the season. They're in second-to-last place of the Central Division. It's crazy that they're only one point, though, behind the Blues in the Wild. Two teams that, you know, were trying to contend this season. That just goes to show, you know, just how bad that division has been. I mean, heck, the Blackhawks are, I can look at the standings right here. They're two points out of fourth. I mean, the Nashville, the Predators are eight and eight and one. Heck, they're four points out of third behind the Avalanche. It's just, you know, obviously some of those teams are going to pass the Blackhawks at some point, but it's it's really funny how some of these teams in there just have not pulled away. And, you know, they're just off to some slow starts. But the Hawks, they're not going to be going anywhere this year. Just look at the lineup that I'm about to show you all. I mean, Philip Kurashev. Max Domi, Patrick Kane. I mean, when Max Domi is your top line center, that's just an unserious team right there. Um, Andreas Athanasiu, Jonathan Taves, and then Taylor Radish on the second line. Athanasiu, I definitely think he can get something at the trade deadline. He's always been a pretty streaky scorer. Someone who has a nice shot would not be surprised if the Blackhawks maybe got like a like a mid round pick or something like that. On their third line, Old Penguin Sam Lafferty, uh, Jason Dickinson, and then Mackenzie Entwistle, Colin Blackwell, Reese Johnson, and Boris uh, Katchuk on the fourth line. So just not a lot there 
uh, forwards wise. You obviously know Kane, Taves, they're great. Max Domi, he, he's a good player, and I and I think he could definitely be had at the deadline for a decent package as well. Maybe they could try to get a first for him. I don't know. I don't know if they could, but I'm sure they're gonna try. Definitely, I think a second. I, I do think a team will pay a second for Max Domi, just on the name alone. Athanasiu, Kurashev, I think could go. Dickinson, who they acquired from Vancouver, I think he could go. You know, they have a lot of flip candidates there, um, where they can just keep stockpiling on draft picks during this rebuild defensively their lineup uh i'm not kidding jack johnson is on their top pair with ian mitchell jared tenorti connor murphy jake mccabe who is honestly not a bad player is on their third pairing and then philip uh ruse is on their third pairing as well that honestly might be one of the worst defensive pairings i've ever seen in my life i i do not think other than jake mccabe who's okay none of those defensemen are any good uh the penguins I know that they're going to be playing on a back-to-back in three games in four nights. They basically almost have no excuse to lose that game. I know they're playing in Chicago, a place that they have not won in since NOM. The fact that I can't even remember the last time they won in Chicago just goes to show how awful they are um, there at the United States. I'm going to actually try to look this up for the Penguins. Last time the Penguins won in Chicago because – I am trying to figure this out, and I just really—I I mean, I, I, I mean, I wish I could—I wish I could find this um, head to head. Well, at least I found the head to head. Yeah. Okay. So I believe 2014. If I—if this is correct, I believe this is correct. The last time the Penguins won in Chicago was almost a decade ago. That is how bad it has been for the Penguins. They have just had literally no luck playing the Blackhawks in Chicago. And honestly, I I, I, I honestly might even be wrong um, about that. I think it might be even wrong. I might be looking at a, a home game. But just overall, they have awful luck there at the United Center, and they need to reverse that trend pretty quickly here. This is a horrific Blackhawks team. They do not do anything well. Special teams, 5v5, defending. Like, even their goaltending this year. I mean, Peter Morozik, Arvid Soderblom. I mean, this is a lineup that is truly set up to tank. It's a bad team. The Penguins should utterly dismantle the Hawks in both games this year. If there's Again, if there's any a time to break that streak at the United Center where they have not won in numerous years, this would be the one. It's basically been the Penguins' house of horrors during the Crosby-Malkin era. That's when, the, at least when the Blackhawks had their good teams. I still wish the Penguins and the Blackhawks would have had a really fun Stanley Cup final when both were really in their heyday and we almost had it in 2013, but you know, the Penguins obviously got swept. But no, it, it would have been a lot of fun. Now, the keys for that game, you know, just, you know, Keep it keep it short, keep it simple. The Blackhawks don't have good goaltending. Defensively, they're an absolute mess. <clears throat> Excuse me. They only have a couple of forwards who are really worth a damn. At this point, they traded Alex Debrinkin and got peanuts in return. Um, that should be a team that they win comfortably over. And even though it's on a back-to-back, and I know any given day <clears throat> is a thing in the NHL, this should be a game that the Penguins win and win comfortably i don't care which goaltender's in the net i don't care that you're on a back-to-back even though it's uh, you're you're coming you're coming from winnipeg the night before the penguins have to win that game 
and the, the Hawks just stink. So, um, you know, when you're when you're playing a team that's openly admitted to tanking for Connor Bedard, and you're trying to contend, you got to get. I don't want to call them gimme points, but they're also kind of our gimme points. So you you got to get you got to bank those points at the end of the day. So that wraps up this this preview for the game against the Blackhawks. Looking at their lineup and looking at just some keys to the game, and you know just making sure that you know you're not letting two goalies who are really past their prime to this point beat you the the penalty kill continuing to have that momentum 5v5 just grinding the blackhawks down just because they have some of the worst underlying numbers in the league so really curious to see how that one goes um if you want more on the blackhawks you can follow jack bushman of locked on blackhawks um he does a great job with his show but you know these two games this weekend very important for the penguins if they can steal four out of four points you know that would be huge because after that they would be coming home winning five of their last seven games and i think the fan base would be definitely a lot more comfortable about the state of the team um rather than if they were to get swept and get zero out of four points or if they were even only to get one out of four points two out of four i think that would be okay especially even if you lose against winnipeg and then beat the blackhawks but it would be total penguins if they were to beat the jets on saturday and then beat the okay thrawn, 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 thrawn. don't itch yourself right there and make the noise okay it would be total penguins to beat the jets on saturday and then go to the united center and get blown up by the blackhawks i mean come on that's just you there it is does not get any more pittsburgh penguins related than that but again, that wraps up the second segment. Coming up in the final segment, we're going to get into the power play and why. There's still some things that I think this team needs to clean up with that unit. Maybe a couple, like one or two adjustments that I would like to see them make. So stick around for that. Coming up right after this. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Score Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day so let's get into the power play they were two for five against the wild on thursday night uh the chris attain goal on the five on three that was his first of the season and then crosby gets the goal a bit later in the third period to make it um four to two and obviously a beautiful pass from gensel to crosby right in the net front but Otherwise, the power play just looked very disinterested. And I, I even put out a tweet that I, I still think stands today that I just don't know what they really do to practice the power play during those practice sessions. It just seems like they keep doing the same stuff and they're hoping that it works. And sure, you know, it, it worked against the Wild. You scored two power play goals. But going up against a team like Winnipeg, who, again, is one of the most stingy uh, penalty killing units in the league, I don't think that stuff is going to work. And for the zone entries, I would love to see them get away from that drop pass where Chris Letang is coming up and then he just kind of sky hooks it. I wouldn't say sky hooks it, but he just passes it back, leaves it for a Guinea Malkin who comes into the zone. But, you know, a lot of times, well, a decent amount of the times, I should say, he comes into the zone and then the puck is just taken from him and then it's just fired down or whoever it is. And I just don't think it's a good recipe for success. I don't know why you have to go backwards in order to go forwards on the power play. Just when the puck is cleared down the, the length of the ice, Tristan Jari, Casey Smith, they come out to give it to you. Just come up the ice and 
just go into the zone, make a pass. You don't need to pass it back to have zone entries. I, I just, I don't understand that. We've seen it so many times over the years with this unit. It does not matter who is coaching the power play unit, the first or second one. Um, they have that stupid draw pass and it drives me absolutely crazy. I still notice that they were also overpassing a lot in that game against the Wild. I'll say it. I've said it so many times. I'll say it again. They always try to look for that perfect play to Harlem Globetrotter you. And in reality, you know, simple is best. And you saw that on that five on three. I would just love for the Penguins to do that every single time. Crosby and Malkin pass to each other. Comes to Latang. Boom. Shot. Goal. Just do that more often. And I know it's on a five on three, so it's a little bit different. But on a five on four, you can still make that work and look for potentially a deflection in front you don't need to be going back and forth over there over there over there over there just you know do a few passes get a shot on net get some traffic in front bang home a rebound all that sort of stuff um it, it just seems like at times that they're not practicing the unit enough and you know we see the same old garbage that we've seen um you know for the last couple of weeks Otherwise, I think I would be down for a personnel change just because Brian Russ is not playing well right now overall. He hasn't really done anything on the power play all year anyway. Why don't you put Ricard Raquel up there? You already have elevated him to the Crosby line. I think he would be a great player to have on that first unit. A, he's trigger happy. He's has no problem shooting the puck. I think he has one of the best releases on the team. And B, he's also a really silky passer and has a good feel for the front of the net. You can also put him on the half wall where Sid is sometimes. You can put him behind the net. He can play a lot of different positions, I think, on the power play. So that is definitely an area that I would look to change if I were Mike Sullivan. I, I, I would make a, the decision to change that. That's just my opinion, though. Um, just because I think Russ just needs to be sat down and, you know, just um, when I say sat down, I don't mean benched, but I think sat down and just, you know, showing him some film and be like, okay, you know, you got to settle down here. You're trying to do too much. We're going to take you off the top power play unit until you get back to your, to how you usually play at 5v5. Once you do that, we'll put you back on the top power play unit and then you'll resume your duties. And I, I think that would be best for the Penguins at this point. Is Mike Sullivan going to do it? Probably not right now, but you know, just because they scored two power play goals on Thursday. But um, if the unit does continue to have more struggles outside of those two goal, that two goal game, I do think you will see a potential change, change, excuse me, in that area. And again, you know, Raquel, you know, he's great on the second unit. He fires the puck very often. Him, Zucker, and it's honestly why you see the second unit outpacing and sometimes outproducing the first unit. You know, Petrie at the point, he's never really been that good of a power play quarterback throughout his career. The numbers are not super kind to him, but he's been trigger happy as well. He's getting the puck to the front of the net. He's also been doing a good job going to the right side of the offensive zone, coming down towards the side of the net and then, you know, firing it, either firing it back up to the point or just firing it to the net. He's reading the ice really well, I think on the power play right now. And then when you have Zucker who has no problem firing the puck to the net, he's been outstanding this season. And Ricard Raquel, who again, who I think should be on the top unit. And then Dan Heinen, who usually has a great shot as well. You know, it definitely has the makings of a very solid second unit, and it's why you've seen the Penguins you know, score a few goals with that unit this year. So um, that's really what I have to say about the power play and their struggles. I'm still not particularly happy with that first unit. I still want to see more consistency with them and hopefully a personnel change. But, you know, the recipe for success it, on, for that unit, it was there. On Thursday, you saw on those two power play goals how, you know, 
they can be successful almost against basically any penalty killing unit. But you know, the other the other times, especially when you play a team like the Jets, they're, they're going to make it easy on you if you just play the way you did on your other three power plays. <laughs> against the Penguins will have to hope that they can carry over that level on the, the two power plays that they scored over the game against Winnipeg and in the game against Chicago. And that will wrap up today's episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I really appreciate all of you listening to this one for next week. We're going to go, we're going to fully recap both games over the weekend against Winnipeg and Chicago. We're also going to do preview some of the other games and then of course recap them on the show. And of course, touch on a whole multitude of other topics surrounding this team and before i let you all go i was i thought it was 2014 the last time the penguins won in chicago but i then it came to my memory like nope i think that was the year when patrick kane had that shootout winner um against them when he deked mark andre Fleury's um toes off but the last time they they beat chicago at the united center february 27th 2009 a five to four overtime win when antini emmy was in net for the Blackhawks and obviously the Penguins won the Stanley Cup that year and here's another thing this might make you feel old this it makes me feel old that's for sure I'm I just turned 25 three days ago the Penguins last one in Chicago when I was 11 years old they are due this has been a total house of horrors for them for the last decade and decade plus they need to win this time in Chicago so we'll have to see if they can accomplish that feat on Sunday. Again, thank you all so much for listening, and I will talk with you all on Monday.